You're now listening to the A Place of Refuge Productive Living Podcast with Bishop Barry D. Walker. A Place of Refuge vision is to cause people to be productive in every aspect of life according to God's Word. For more information, please stop by our website at www.aplaceofrefugechurch.org. Now, here's today's message already in progress. talked about crying out and he specifically said to you or to God to cry out to God primarily means to address him in prayer by name to address him in prayer by name You'll be amazed at people that believe in prayer, but they don't believe in praying in the name of Jesus. They'll say a prayer, prayer sound good, but they won't address Jesus by name. Some may address another God by name, but not the true and living God. It's important when we cry out to our Lord that we address him by name. I want to just show you one reason why. Consider John the 16th chapter. John the 16th chapter. And keep in mind the psalmist was crying out to God. John 16 and 24, this is what Jesus said to his disciples. He said, until now you have asked nothing in my name. But it's time for that to change. Because notice he tells them, ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. Ask it my name so you can be happy. You hadn't asked anything in my name, but now I want all that to change. I want you to ask in my name so your joy can be full. I want you to be happy. And one way you can be happy is to pray to me. I guarantee you if you are not a person of prayer, you are miserable most of the time. Some of us who hit and miss in prayer, you can tell the days you hadn't prayed. Because it's a miserable day. But when you pray, even when bad happens, you still experience Romans 8 and 28. You know, all things work together for the what? To those who love God, to those who are the call according to his purpose. I make it my business to get up praying. When, when I get ready to lay down, I'm praying. Throughout the day, I'm praying because prayer makes you happy. Ask why. So your joy will be what? Full. So you can be full of happiness. Happy in the morning. Happy in the evening. Happy late at night. Happy when everything that can go wrong is taken place this is important to pray that, that's the the enemy fights us when it comes to prayer our flesh fights us when it comes to prayer you can be on your knees talking to God and, and, and just all kind of things will start attacking your mind the enemy and the flesh will send all kind of things to attack your mind because even the devil and demons know the significance and the necessity of praying to our God in the name of Jesus. Why Jesus? There's one name that has been given whereby we experience salvation. What name is that? The name of Jesus. 
One writer said, at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow. Every tongue shall confess. How many can agree with me in that there is power in the name of Jesus? Woo, there is power in the name of Jesus. That's the reason I'm hoping uh, that after hearing just the little that I've said, that you're going to make it your business to pray every day. Formally or whether you're in the car with your eyes wide open, riding up 20, just saying, God, bless me throughout the day. Lord, whatever I do today, let your blessings come upon me. Prayer is important. Crying out to Jesus is essential. It is significant. If you agree, shout amen. Amen. And so he was going to address, he was addressing God, I should say, in Psalm 56 and 9 by, by name. Name, number one, represents reputation. What a person is known for. And man, when I get to thinking about God, I, I, he, he is known for doing the impossible. Known for doing what eyes have not seen, ears have not heard, neither have entered into the heart of folk. God is known for straightening out hard cases. Woo, I wish you had a little bit of mirror so you could look at yourself. How many in here you used to be a hard case? But who straightened you out? God is known for turning things completely around. God is known for doing what folks say can't be done. That's the reason Jesus boldly said to folks, with men, this right here is impossible, but not with God. With God, all things are possible. But then he put, he added something to to him that believes. Our God specializes in the impossible. Don't ever say it's over until you done heard God say something. Because it's truly not over until God says it is. Is that right? And so he he is known for being just so many things. He is known for being a healer, deliverer, and so forth. But he's known for being doing things that are personal. He is a personal God. God will look at certain things that are going on in your life and take the time to do exactly what you need to be done in your life. But because he's no respecter of person, he'll do what you need to be done. Then he'll go and do what needs to be done in your sister's life. He's no respecter of person. And he's known for this. That, that's the reason we, we'll hear Elder Bray's testimony and then we'll turn around and hear Deacon Wynn's testimony. And both of them be talking about the same God, but they'll be specific in talking about what the same God did for both of them. Say to somebody, can't nobody do you like Jesus. Look at somebody else and say, nobody but nobody but nobody but nobody but nobody but nobody but nobody can do you like the law. But name also has to do with the person's authority. His authority represents his power or his capacity to do. What can God do? Anything save faith. You never count God out. You never take anybody's word that that something can't be done. I, I don't care if they have on paper, if, if they can show you the facts of something never being done. You cannot put up facts against God. God is so awesome to where he can think it and it happens. God doesn't even have to show up to cause something to happen. He can use somebody in the realm of the earth to just speak a particular thing and it will manifest. God will let you know how it's going to turn out before it reaches the news desk. 
That's the reason you never take what they're saying on channel 5 as truth. You always regard your God as truth. That's the reason Jesus said point blank in John 14 and 6, I'm the way and I'm the truth and the life. That's who I am. I'm the truth. If you really want to know what's going to happen, talk to me. How can we talk to you knowing that you are the truth and that you can tell us what's going to happen in the present as well as the future, Jesus? Because I'm the alpha, I'm the omega, I'm the beginning, I'm the ending. I'm the one that was, the one that is, and the one that is soon to come. Don't ever count God out. He has the capacity or ability to do anything, save, fail. Used to be an old song, there is no failure in God. It's an old song, but we know it right now that there is no failure in God. God can fix what folks say can't be fixed. You better pull out your mirror one more time. He fixed you. I said he fixed you. You were damaged goods. Some folk were ready to just throw you away. But God stepped in and said, I can use him. I can use him to preach the gospel. I can use him to be a deacon at my church. I can use her to sing on the praise team. I can use him to play an instrument in my church. God can take something that's messed up and fix it into something that will give him all the glory, the honor, and the praise. Some of y'all ain't happy yet, but I think my God for being who he is because there is nobody that can do us like Jesus. Nobody. I need to go to two passages to show you who God is in scripture. Just just two things I want you to see about God. And who he is. First thing I want you to see is in the book of Genesis. You want to consider God as the provider. Y'all happy? Genesis 22. Y'all stay with me. Genesis 22. And I'm going to start at verse 1 because I want uh, you to see clearly that God is a provider. And keep in mind, as we read Genesis 22, 1 through 13, that God changes not, according to Malachi 3 and 6. Genesis 22 and 1. Now it came to pass, after these things, that God tested Abraham. Or allowing him to go through a trial. And said to him, Abraham. Abraham said, here, here I am. Then he said, take now your son. Your only son Isaac. Whom you love. And go to the land of Arai. And offer him there as a burnt offering. On one of the mountains which I shall tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning. Sal, his donkey. And took two of his young men with him, and Isaac his son. And he split the wood for the burnt offering, and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted his eyes and saw the place afar off. Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey. The lad and I will go yonder and worship, and we will come back to you. See, Abraham was conscious of God. We're going to come back to you. Verse 6, so Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son. And he took the fire in his hand and a knife. And the two of them went together. But Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and said, my father. And he said, here I am, my son. Then he said, look, the fire and the wood. But where is the lamb for a burnt offering? He had, he had been training his son well. His son knew 
about offerings. He knew about offerings. He knew exactly what God needed, uh, God required when it came to a burnt offering. Isn't that, isn't that important? And so, verse 8, Abraham said, my son, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering. Who will provide? So he knew now. He had Isaac. That's who God told him to offer. But then Abraham still walking in faith. He wasn't walking by what he was seeing. He was walking in faith saying, God going to provide it. God going to provide it. And he stuck with that. That God was going to provide it. Verse 9. Again. Then they came to the place which God had told him. And Abraham built an altar there and placed the wood in order. And he bound the wood in order and bound Isaac, his son, and laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel, a messenger of the Lord, called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. So he said, here I am. And he said, do not lay your hand on the lad or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God since you have not withheld your son your only son from me. But notice what God did. He allowed, he allowed it to go to the last minute. Abraham didn't stop. So you got to believe God even to the last minute. When, when, when worse has became triple. When you almost broke, but then you go from almost broke to broke, you still have to believe that God going to do it. When you go from about to lose it to losing it, you still got to believe that God going to do it. Because if he said it, he'll do it. See, see Abraham knew God's he, he knew God was not a God like the quote unquote other gods who would slay children who would allow their followers to slay children Abraham had studied the word and knew the word to the point to where he knew that God was testing him to see whether he would be obedient to the end but he also knew the word and see, even when you're being tried and, and it seems like what you have read in the word is not going to manifest, you got to hold on because the one thing God is never going to do is go against his word. That's the reason Jesus said in Matthew 24 and 35, heaven and earth will pass, but not what I said. What I said is not going to pass. If I told you I was going to heal you, I'm going to heal you. If I told you I was going to prosper you, I'm going to prosper you. And so Abraham stood on what he knew about God even to the end. And see, God stuck to his word. He allowed the messenger to tell Abraham, don't you do that. Because if God would have allowed Abraham to slay his son, he would have been like the quote-unquote false gods. The only son that God allowed to be slain was Jesus or himself wrapped in flesh, which was essential in order for us to receive redemption. For without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. But even when God did that, he knew he had to have somebody of value. And he couldn't find anybody on earth. So he wrapped himself in flesh and offered his own self as a man. That's the reason 
one meaning of Jesus, or one name for Jesus, is Emmanuel. That being God with us. How many are still with me? Now notice what happens after Abraham is told not to uh, slay his son. Notice what happens, verse, verse 13. Then Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and there behind him was a ram caught in the thicket by his horn. Now remember Abraham's confession the whole time he was going through it. God will provide for himself a burnt offering. And look at that offering. God had it in the thicket waiting for him. So Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up for a burnt offering instead of his son. Let me read verse 14. And Abraham called the name of the place the Lord will provide, or Jehovah Jireh. As it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. And sometimes God will allow the worst to happen before he provides exactly what you need. Say to your neighbor, don't ever count God out. And don't ever toss in your faith. Because faith is that which pleases God. And we see it in the text. And when faith pleases God, according to Hebrews 11 and 6, what will he do? Reward us. He'll reward us. Let's go further. Y'all still happy? Let's go to the book of uh, Judges. Let's go to the book of Judges. And we want to consider Judges, the sixth chapter, beginning at verse 22. We're talking about God. We just found out in Genesis 22, 1 through 14, that God... He provides. He is a provider. No question. He is a provider. But notice Judges 6, beginning at verse 22. Now Gideon perceived that he was the angel of the Lord. So Gideon said, Alas, O Lord God, for I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. Then the Lord said to him, Peace be with you. Do not fear. You shall not die. So Gideon built an altar there to the Lord and called it the Lord is peace. The Lord is peace. Gideon experienced the peace of prosperity of God because of the manifested presence and the word that God gave him at this particular time. And he knew God was a God of peace, of prosperity. Shalom, the Hebrew word for peace, and Aram, the Greek word for peace, the first meaning is, for both words, is prosperity. God is a God that will cause you to come out of the predicament you're in and cause better to come forth in your life. From the very time that Gideon experienced this particular thing from God, recognizing that he is the God of prosperity, from that time forth, God calls prosperity or his peace to just rest upon Gideon from that time forth. Now going back to Genesis, from the time that Abraham experienced God as a provider from that time forth, even though Abraham was mightily blessed, God blessed him even more so from that time forth. Whenever you get to a point to where you know without question that God is a particular thing, that thing that you know about God will continue to manifest in your life. 
It's just like some of us, when we found out that, that God would meet needs since that time, God has not ceased in meeting your needs. It can seem as if you're in dire straits, but God will still meet your needs. Whoo, y'all too quiet. Y'all act like I'm talking about somebody across town. Who am I talking about in here? God showed you he would meet your needs, and he's been meeting your needs ever since. Put your hand up. Let folks see you. Look around you. Once you know that, he will continue to do that because that's who he is. Just like when you have experienced God as a healer, when something happened, you will continue to know, God going to heal me. God going to bring me out of this. Why? Because you know that he is a healer. And so back in Psalm 56 and 9, the psalmist cried out to God by name. He addressed him by name. He knew him in a personal way. But notice, taking it further, what he says here in Psalm 56 and 9. Notice the next thing he says after he cried out to God. He said, when I cry out to you, then my enemies will turn back. You got haters. You, you got folks that, that don't like you because you try to do the right thing. Now, them real enemies right there, you trying to do the right thing, because, but because you ain't doing what they think you ought to do. They hating on you. Those are your enemies. Those are your true enemies. You doing the right thing, but they mad because you ain't doing what they want you to do. And, and often when you think about enemies that are like that you have to remember what Jesus said to his disciples he, he said your worst enemy is going to be those of your own household some of your, some of your biggest haters are going to be, there, be those that you're around all the time whether on your job in your own house in your neighborhood or in a small city like Carrollton or wherever you may be from, you're going you're gonna to have folk that for some reason or another they don't like you because you, you are where they want to be but they don't want you to be there. They want you to be where they want you to be. Mad because you're doing good. Want you to do bad. Want, but mad because you're doing good. talking about me like that. I'm just trying to do the right thing because he don't want you to do good. So don't ever say you don't have an enemy. Yes, you do. Whenever you read the, the, the story of Jesus and you be like, man, Jesus was doing everybody good, helping folk, but he had haters. Jesus had haters that hated him to the point to where even those he helped started hating him. The very folks he helped started hating him. You would think all the good that he did, that, that people would have loved him in Jerusalem and, and the surrounding towns. But, but when they took a vote, as far as who should be crucified and who should live, Jesus got outvoted. Barabbas was known for stealing, killing, doing dirt. But when folk hate you, they would rather a person that's known for doing dirt to survive instead of you. 
Y'all better start reading your Bible and, you, you, and, and then that'll let you know you ain't got no business wondering why they don't like you. You will know why they don't like you. You ever notice when, when you try to do good, then he'll come evil. You have to get to the point where you don't allow, you don't allow certain things to get to you. You don't want folks to say it, but you can't allow that stuff to get in you. Because you're going to have enemies. Some folks can just see you doing good. And, and the last time they saw you, you were doing bad. And then when they see you doing good, they're like, oh, God, she's doing better now. And, and at that instant, they start hating on you. I thought he was going to go down. Look at him. Look at him. He's doing better now than he was back. The psalmist had enemies. And, it, and some of your enemies, the, the best way for you to deal with them is in prayer. I know you got your knife. I know you got that little 22 you like to show folks. Put that 22 back in your purse, Because the person you, you about to pull it on, they got a 357. Some of your enemies, the best way to deal with them is in prayer. You don't have to say one word to them. Just get on your knees and talk to the almighty God. And let him deal with your enemies. One writer said, the Lord will make your enemies your footstool. And God warned folk before they even become enemies, you better not touch my anointed. You better not touch her. That's my child right there. You better not touch her. You know, how, you know how black women are about their children. <laughs> God, God. I, and I, pro- I know every woman is probably the same, but because I know about black women, black women and their children, good. You talking about a fight. That child can be wrong, but they still mad. And ready to, but your child, will, yeah, but that's my child. But let me tell you something. There is nobody that cares more about their children than God. God loves his children. God loves you, child of God. Don't you ever think God does not love you. Don't you ever think God does not care about you. Don't you ever think God will not deal with your enemies for you. You're going to tell God somebody messing with you and you're going to think God ain't going ain't gonna to deal with that. You got to be out your mind. God made it when he said, touch not my anointing. Told Israel at one occasion, hey, y'all just stay right there. I'm going to deal with this. Stay right there and watch my salvation. And so the psalmist said, when I cry out to you, my enemies shall turn back. They're going to flee. They're going to withdraw. They're acting brave right now, but they're going to turn into some cowards. They're going to tuck, tail, and run. And it's not going to be because I pull out my case. I pull out my 357. They're going to do it because I went to prayer. And told God that they messing with me. Lord, is some kind of virus going on. This thing trying to mess with your children. God, I need you. And say to your neighbor, prayer changes things. And the psalmist knew it. 
when I pray to you, my enemies going to turn back. They're going to turn back. Let's read. Now I tell you, if I look, watch, watch what you say about me now. I know I can't beat you. I'm, I, I'm, I know I, I, I can't beat you. You probably got more guns than me and everything. I know that well, there ain't going to be no shootout. But watch what you say about me. Don't you put your mouth on me now. Oh, you some, no, I ain't saying, I'm just saying. It ain't me you got to worry about. But see, that's just not Walker. That's for every child of God. God got your front, your back, your sides, your head, your foot. He got every part of you. I got to close, but let me, let me show you a couple of things. Lord and mercy. Let's go to Deuteronomy. Y'all just stay with me. I'm, I'm, I'm getting ready to close, but stay with me just a little bit longer. Deuteronomy 20th chapter. Lord and mercy. These are going to be some strong words here in Deuteronomy 20 and 4. So you better brace yourself. I'm serious. Brace yourself now. Because it was real then and it's real right now. Now this is what Moses told the children of God. He said, for the Lord your God is he who goes with you to fight for you. Don't y'all just thank God on no throne said all the time. You see this verse? God will fight for who? You. you can put your name down. Notice, to fight for you against who? Your enemy. Why? To save you. To save you. To save you. God will fight for you. Fight. That, that means God, in, in, in uh, the lowest layman terms, will beat somebody up for you. Now, I'm saying, I'm saying that so you can understand it. In the simplest terms, he'll beat somebody up for you. Because, see, he don't lose fights. They're talking about the greatest that ever, now... I know they, they labeling folks as the greatest, but God is the greatest fighter that has ever been and will ever be. And guess what? He don't have to retire. He, he was in his prime in the beginning. He's still in his prime. But he, don't, he, he ain't fighting for himself. He's fighting for you. You. You think God just going up and let somebody take you out? That's the reason he allowed Satan to do certain things to Job, but, but it was because he allowed it. If certain things happen, it's only because God allowed it. God fight. And Satan do. Look, I better do what God said because I sure don't want to fight him. He kicked me out of heaven once. Yeah, he did. He be saying down to the point to where Jesus himself said, I looked and saw Hayden, saw Satan falling from heaven as lightning. You know how quick lightning can just. What kind of punch did God put on Satan for him to fall like lightning? And I would tell somebody, I said, you know what? I know a lot going on, but God, he protected me. Oh, so God protected Yeah, God protected me. And they would look at me and say, you serious? I said, yeah, I'm serious. God protected me. I said, man, you ain't going by the same rules. God protected me. Why are you talking about we ain't going by the same You ain't saved. You ain't saved. This only for God's folk. I see why you want to do everything. I see why you want to dot every I and cross every T. I ain't got to dot every I and cross every T. God got my back. 
That's too heavy for some of y'all. Some of y'all, y'all still sitting back wondering if God got your back. I ain't got to wonder if God got my back. I tell, I'm going to tell you one more time. He got my back, my front, my side, my head, my foot. He got all of me. All right, y'all sit down. And notice the conclusion of it. He going to save you. All right, Deuteronomy 28. Lord of mercy. Deuteronomy 28 and 7. Now, I want y'all to notice this very closely and keep bracing yourself because this is very powerful. It happened then and it's, and it's still happening. Deuteronomy 28 and 7. The Lord will cause your enemies who rise woo, against you. Lord have mercy. To be defeated. Notice this. Before your face. Say to your neighbor, if some folk been messing with you, you're going to see they downfall. Some folk been talking about you. God said, look, I want you to see what's going to happen to her. She's been talking about you for six months, but I want you to watch what I'm getting ready to do to her. And it's scary. I'm scared. It was somebody just kept talking about me, and God said, I want you to see something. God showed me that person. I said, good God, Lord. He said, I did this for you. And I wanted you to see it. See, y'all looking at me now. I better read this one more time. The Lord will cause your enemies who rise against you to be, help me, before your what? You're going to see it. Certain, certain things that God does for you, you won't see it. But when folk been messing with you in certain things, because I want you to see that I took care of him. I want you to see it. Okay, Lord, you want me to see it? All right. You want me to see it Monday, Tuesday? When you want me to see it? Because I want to see it. Right? Look at this. Notice this. To be defeated before your faith, and notice, they shall come out against you one way and flee before you seven ways. I don't even have to say nothing in reference to that. That speaks volumes when you just read it. But in my clothes, in Psalm 56 and 9, notice again. The psalmist said, when I cry out to you, then my enemies will turn back. This I, I know. And see, by now you ought to know that, that enemies that mess with God's children, he going to step in. Enemies you can see and enemies you don't see. You ought to know that God going to step in no, no matter who the enemy is. You got to be just like the psalmist. You, you know it. To know means that you are aware of it. You're certain about it. You just, you just know. Don't put yourself in the same category as a sinner. The wages of sin is what? No. This is about a child of the most high God. He said, I know it's going to happen. And then he closes the verse by giving us the reason why he knows it's going to happen. Because God is for me. And some of us, God showed us time and time again that he, he falls. Listening to... Uh, Elder Thomas' testimony a few weeks ago, and I just said, man, God just showed him I'm for you. Then I was listening to senior minister Mullins' testimony last week, and I said, man, 
God. Father. Listening to Elder Jackson's testimony. Listening to Deacon Holland's testimony. Listening to Elder White's testimony. And others. And I'd be like, Lord, you doing miraculous things for, for us because you are for us. God is not against us. God is for us. That's the reason he told us in in ahead of time that, look, certain things going to happen on the earth, but don't you even worry about it. Why? I'm for you. Used to be a saying, if the whole world is against you and God is for you, you're more. Ain't that the truth? Nothing. Now, nobody can stand against our God. I got to show you one more scripture. Uh, And I'm closing with this scripture. Keep in mind, God is for us. We're going to Psalm 62. God of mercy. I know this is taking time. But this is what he gave me. Now, when you know God is for you, keep, keep in mind this, this first clause here in Psalm 62 and 8. Trust in him at all times, your people. Why should we do that? We know he's for us. Trust him when it's well and when it does not seem like it's going to turn out well. Trust him at all what? You people, pour out your heart before him. But this is the primary thing I want you to get. God is a refuge for us. Remember the psalmist said, God is for us. But then he says right here, God is a refuge for us. Refuge. Three things that a refuge means that I want to deal with. Number one, protection. God protects you. Understand this. I talked about Job earlier. Even when God allows bad to happen, he's still protecting you. Even when he allows your situation to go from good to bad or worse, he's still protecting you. Even when God takes something from you, he's still protecting you. Yeah, I know that. And, and if you looked in scripture, you'll see certain things happening, uh, even bad, but it shows that God is still protecting. Such as he allowed Daniel to be put in the lion's den. But guess what? He was still protecting. He allowed the three Hebrew boys to be cast into the fiery furnace. But guess what? He was still protecting. Allowed Jeremiah to be cast into the outer prison, the dungeon. But he was still protecting him. He, he was in the prison and the king had told him not to give him nothing to eat. But, but God was so watching out for the man of God to where he had somebody that was, that was under the king that made sure he still got some food. See, God going to take care of his folk. That's the reason David, David said, I've been young, now I'm old, but I have never seen who? The righteous. He didn't say the unrighteous. He said, God, folk, I've never seen the righteous forsaken, nor a seed begging bread. God even take care of your children for your sake. Take care of certain family members for your sake. They out there doing all that dirt. And the only reason they, they, they ain't getting messed up is because of you. God take care of folk because of you. That's how awesome he is. You don't think he care? Where was God and all? He was right where he was and he was doing exactly what he'd been doing. He changes not. Because you know folk ask them crazy questions. Why God allowed Look, you don't know God. We know you ain't saved because if you were saved, you would know God is exactly where he's been all the time, doing what he's always been. Amen? Amen. 
but he's protection. Second, refuge means sanctuary. Sanctuary. A sanctuary is, is a sacred place. So God is going to be sacred for us. What does that mean? That means God is going to give us ways out, but it's going to be through his word. Why? Refuge means sacred of that which pertains to God. Folk ask me, say, you in, a, you in, a, you in this situation, how are you going to come out? God, my refuge. He going to show me how to come out in a sacred way or according to his word. Third thing that refuge means is help. God going to help his folk. Now he going to help you all the time. But I love how David stressed in Psalm 46 and 1 that he's a very present help in trouble. That means every time you get in trouble, David wanted folks to know, look, every time you get in trouble, God right there. When it's at your door, when it's on your job, wherever it is, God right there. Don't be trying to touch him like he's your cousin. Just know that he's a very present help. When? In trouble. He's helping you right now. And even if you don't understand clearly how God helping you, just, just start thanking him. Lord, I know according to Psalm 46 and 1, you are very present help in trouble. I thank you for helping me right now. They just fired me, but you're helping me right now. Lord, they just said something bad, but you're helping me right now because you are very present help in trouble. And in time, you're going to see how are we helping you? And I'm done. Thank you for listening to the A Place of Refuge Productive Living Podcast with Bishop Barry D. Walker. Please stop by our website for more information on our church at www.aplaceofrefugechurch.org. Until next time, remember... Jesus came that you might have life and have it more abundantly.